That's right. That's right. That's right. Hear me. The Three Peat Show with the Chase from Untitled and Unbridled. That's me. I'm the Chase, the one, the only. How's it going? Welcome to the Three Peat Show. I'm the Chase or Chase Meisenheimer if you want to get um, specific. So, anyway, it's only been a few days since I stunned the world with the Three Peat of Blink 182, which I hope you enjoyed. I like them a lot. Whatever. If you don't, big deal. But like I said, where are you going to get away with, or where else are you going to get away with listening to Blink-Way 2? Right? Because you got to keep up your hipster douchebag personality. Alright, so, for all you hipsters out there, I've got a good one this week, as you can tell from the title. Um, so I've been skewing a little more modern lately, at least in the past ten years, so I thought I'd go back, way back, to... One of my favorite bands, and that would be The Clash. Yes, to me, the only band that matters, and of course, that's one of their monikers. So anyway, I think we should just get right to it. So let's start off with some great Wikipedia information. <laughs> so, uh, let's see, I'll just read it to you. Why do I even hide the fact that I'm just reading off Wikipedia? Alright, so the formation in the first years of The Clash. Most of the band's founding members were already active in the London music scene at the time of the Clash's formation. John Graham Miller had played in the pub rock act The 101ers. He'd already banned his original state name, Woody Malor, in favor of Joe Strummer, a reference to his rudimentary strumming skills on the ukulele as a busker in the London underground. Mick Jones and Paul Seminon were briefly in a legendary proto-punk band, London SS. Jones, Simon on guitarist Keith Levine, and whoever we could re find really to play the drums, that's in quotes, spent much of 1976 in rehearsals. At the behest of their manager, Bernie Rhodes, Jones, Levine, and Simon on recruited the slightly older strummer from the 101ers. The recruitment took place in the Portobello market when Simon on and Jones bumped into strummer and told him they didn't like the 101ers, but thought he had punk potential. As Simon on later said, once we had Joe on board, it all started to come together. Paul Simonon came up with the band's name, The Clash, after they had considered alternatives including The Weak Heart Drops and The Psychotic Negatives. Yeah, I think Clash was definitely a better choice. Simonon explained how he came up with the name. It really came to my head when I started reading the newspapers and a word that kept recurring was the word Clash, so I thought, The Clash, what about that, to the others? And they had Bernard and they went for it. And they and Bernard went for it, sorry. After deciding on a name, the band found a stable drummer in Terry Chimes. The Clash had their first gig on July 4th, 1976, supporting the Sex Pistols at the Black Swan in Sheffield. By that autumn, the band had signed a contract with CBS Records. In early September, Levine was kicked out for never showing up to practice. Typical. On September 21st, 1976, the band performed at the 100 Club Punk Festival, sharing the bill with Sex Pistols, Susie and the Banshees, and Subway Sec. Chimes left in late November, briefly replaced by Rob Harper for the Anarchy Tour in December 1976, but was soon drafted back to record their album. So in January 1977, the group signed a 100,000 pound contract, and let me make a note, when I read that at first, I did not think about the English pound. I was like, that, who carried that? Anyway, retarded me. They signed that contract CBS record. The band recalled Terry Chimes for recording and hired Mickey Foote, 
who worked as a technician at their concerts to produce the album. They released their first single, White Riot, in March of 1977, and their first album, self-titled The Clash, in April of 1977. Both obtained considerable success in the UK, yet CBS refused to release the album and single in the USA, saying that the sound was not radio-friendly. They eventually released there in a modified version in 1979, after the UK original became the best-selling import album of all time in the United States. There you go. In my opinion, it's just another reason that proves that the major labels don't know what they're doing. So anyway, um, I'm playing the song, uh, shoot, I'm So Bored with the USA, off their debut album. I think I have the US version which kind of sucks. Well, it doesn't suck, but I mean, it'd be cool to have both of them. Anyway, I feel that a lot of the themes that are expressed in Clash songs are still very much relevant today. Um, I think a lot of people feel this way about the United States of America. And, you know, after we just celebrated Independence Day, I uh, figured we'd go ahead and just play this song. Oh, and like I mentioned, I you know it's only been a few days since Blink-Way 2, but I'm putting this out later this week. This is Monday. I'll put this out probably Thursday. And anyway, just wanted to get it done while I had time and I had the place to myself. So anyway, here's I'm So Bored with the USA by The Clash off their self-titled The Clash, I think the US version. Enjoy. start right so i'm following the traditional format of the three peat this week and now i'm going to play a band that influenced the clash 
And here's the deal. They were right on the front end of the punk movement up in the uh, mid to late 70s. But I am going to play you who everyone thinks is probably the very first band that formed the image and created the sound of punk, and that is the Sex Pistols. I mean, how much more punk can you get? You came on the scene, you blew up, you made one album, and you left. You're th three years, flash in the pan. But now they're back together doing different stuff, you know, with Guitar Hero and things like that. They've found their niche, I guess. Anyway, this is from the album Nevermind the Bollocks. Here's the Sex Pistols. That's the name of the album. The full name of the album. I mean, you recognize the cover, and I mean... Do you not remember hearing about the Sex Pistols when you were young? You're like, oh my gosh, they have sex on their name. Oh. Yeah, and I guess we all sounded like Ralph Wiggum's younger or older brother. Anyway, did I say anyway a lot? I don't care. Whatever. Forget it. Forget about it. Forget about it, huh? The song I'm playing is called No Feelings. It's one of my favorite tracks off Never Mind the Bollocks, and I hope you like it too, and maybe you can make the connection with the sounds. I don't know. It's hard to just say that The Clash was influenced by the Sex Pistols, because they, you know, kind of started around the same time, and it's just a new sound altogether. I mean, I'm sure the class had, Clash had influences in, you know, early 70s classic rock, and the Kinks, and things like that, but whatever. Here's Sex Pistols, with no feelings.
Terminators and Sex Pistols. So, moving right along into what is probably considered one of the greatest albums of all time, London Calling. That's right. I mean, perfect reviews from everybody. Pitchfork gives it a 10 out of 10. I mean, that means it's a Bible in music. So, regardless, I mean, everybody's given it 5 out of 5 or... You know, I mean, that's kind of after it's gained its influence. But either way, um, what's really cool is I have this album on vinyl. I know how hipster douchebag of me. And it's one of the first pressings because it does not have a train in vain on the jacket cover, um, which is a pretty cool thing. Uh, this was on, this was number eight on Rolling Stone's list of 500 greatest albums of all time. It was the best album of the 80s. Now, here's the deal with that. It came out in the London in December of 79, but it didn't quite hit here until January in the US and that's when it blew up. So then let me read you a little bit about the recording and production of it. After recording the 1978 album Give Him Enough Rope in the United States, the band separated from the manager Bernard Rhodes. This separation meant that the band had to leave their rehearsal studio in Camden Town and find another location to compose their music. Drawing inspiration from rockabilly, ska, reggae, and jazz, the band began to work on the album during the summer of 79. Tour manager Johnny Greenup found the band a new place to rehearse called Vanilla Studios in Pimlico, which was located in the back of a garage. The band quickly wrote and recorded demos, with Jones composing and arranged most of the music and strummers supplying the lyrics. In August of 79, the band entered Wessex Studios to begin recording London Calling. The Clash asked Guy Stevens to produce the album, much to the dismay of CBS Records. Stevens had alcohol and drug problems, and his production methods were unconventional. By recording, he often swing ladders and throw chairs around the band to create an emotional atmosphere. The entire album was recorded within a matter of weeks, with many songs recorded in one or two takes. So, I mean, it was released as a double album, and it has two LPs, and it's it's crazy. Uh, the thing is, The Clash, they they fought with CBS to keep their records still at a single LP price, and they did, except for Sandinista, which was their next album, which was three LPs, and they only made it, the standard price was five pounds, they only made that one 599 pounds. So, I mean, it's a pretty big deal, and they had some singles off here. Uh, you know, it did very well very well for sure and it's considered one of the best albums of all time so i mean what else are you gonna say about it nothing really so the song i'm playing off here is called lost in the supermarket which kind of deals with rampant consumerism and kind of the alienation you feel growing up in you know as a youth i mean i think we can all identify with that right little freaks and geeks of us you know i came in here for the special offer guaranteed personality kind of like the fact that consumerism determines who you are by your, you know, what you buy and what your things, you know, you own. I don't know if that really made any sense, but can you hear me? Gosh, I feel like I'm yelling. I guess I'm not. So here's Lost in the Supermarket um, off The Clash's third studio album, London Calling, which if you don't have, you're a fool. I'm 
Classic fade out. What happened? Nobody does that anymore. The police are notorious. There's hardly any songs by the police that end normally. At least from what I can think of off the top of my head. We're gonna move right along because it's really hot in here because I have this air humidifier in my room, but I have to turn it off for this because it makes such a loud sound. Anyway, my computer makes a really loud sound. So that's that kind of hum and buzz you hear. I can't do anything about it. That's just itself cooling off. So deal with it! Anyway, so going into influenced by the Clash, um, you know, keeping with my pop punk stuff. <laughs> it's not Blink 182 because I don't really hear the Clash in them, but it's completely Green Day. Yes, 1994, we all remember, brought us out of, you know, grunge about to dominate the world. Here's Green Day exploded on the scene with Dookie. And I'm playing She off Dookie, which is one of my favorite Green Day tracks. And you can just kind of hear, you know, the brashness of the Clash in here. Not necessarily the world influences or extreme musicality, but it's just a good song and it's quick and it's fun and it's got some fun lyrics, you know. Whatever. Um, 
And who can deny Billy Joe's voice? I mean, it's terrible, but it's... I like Green Day. I don't care. I thought American Idiot was good. Whatever! Screw you! Anyway, I'm <laughs> so alienating my audience, all three of you. So here we go. Was she off Dookie by Green Day, influenced by The Clash. Okay, that was Green Day. We all know and maybe love Green Day. Well, well just admit it, alright? So we're falling on to the last track I have from The Clash, which is off their album Combat Rock, which was released in 82, and is the last Clash album to feature the classic lineup of Mick Jones, Joe Strummer, um, Paul Simonon, and Topper Heaton, who left subsequently after this album on their tour due to his heroin addiction well they kicked him out basically and that's a good thing because i guess you know maybe he cleaned up either way i like this album a lot it's got the big hits should i stay or should i go rock the casbah and the song i'm playing off here is straight to hell which i think many of you will find interesting you might recognize it or part of it in as a little sample in paper planes by m.i.a that beginning guitar line is from this song. So when I start playing it, you're going to be like, I'll fly a lot, people get high lot plays. You catch me at the book. But it's not, that's not that song. So you're going to look like a fool, just like I did. Or sound like a fool. You can't see me. I, I did do a little dorky head bob kind of thing. Speak of MIA, is she, she like retired? Had Bonnaroo? What is that about? I heard her V6 expire. That's why she did it. <laughs> 
what an idiot. I don't like her really at all. But that's a that's a cool song. And there's a song off her newest album that's kind of like her take on Where's My Mind by the Pixies. I don't know. It's pretty cool. Here is Straight to Hell by The Clash. And we'll come back and we'll wrap up because I've got another little special track at the end, which I'm excited about. So here it is. Parkland International, 
see um they expanded away from you know their typical punk sounding roots and that's why the clash to me is one of the best bands because they started out of where they were and they evolved their sound but without truly giving up on what they're known for with their punk sound and they drew different influences and to me that's what makes a great band is when you can evolve but stay the same in the same respect um anyway so that's why i chose them today for the three peat Normally I don't give a reason why I choose much, except I like this band. But I think The Clash is a great example of what a great band is, and I think people recognize that, and that's why they're as revered as they are. And you can't deny the beginning of Straight to Hell, where it's just that guitar line, and then that kick comes in that four on the floor, if you can hear that. It's just, it's amazing. So, that's it for the three-peat today. I hope you guys are having a good summer. We're already into July. Good way in. A weekend. Can you believe that? Goodness gracious. I've got like a month left here in New York. And I love it. It's great. It's stinking hot though. Anyway, if you guys have never seen, I think that goes along with this whole podcast of The Clash. If you've never seen Freaks and Geeks, which is Judd Apatow's first you know, produced failed series that has so many people that are huge today. Jason Siegel, Seth Rogen, Linda Cardellini. I mean, everybody shows up that's, like, been in his movies. It's incredible. James Franco, um, it blows my mind that, you know, he had so much talent to work with at the beginning and how he's nurtured his talent into huge bankable stars these days. And you got to give him credit, regardless if you think he's a, a jerk or not, which I, I probably think he is, you know, Jed Apatow. Anyway, here we go to end after I play our little goodbye song. I've got Train in Vain, which is the very last track off London Calling, covered by Third Eye Blind. Yes, Third Eye Blind, can you believe it? I've never, I never really listened to those guys. Um, no, I'm just kidding. They're my favorite band. I don't know if you're listening to this, you know that anyway. So here is Train in Vain by Third Eye Blind after my little three-peat send-off. 
And you know what? I did this little three-peat thing in one take. I put down that sample without even listening to the whole thing and just sang, all right? One take, so don't get on to me. I didn't even know the changes that were coming up, but I hit it, right? I mean, I, you know, it was good enough. So, yeah, you know, uh, you know, letter U. Okay, that makes no sense. So anyway, keep checking out stuff this this um, week on the music world. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Block Party released a new song today. Uh, it kind of sucks. It's just electronic. What happened to them? I think Silent Alarm is the only great album we're going to get from them. You heard it here first. So, regardless. Anyway, uh, go see Hellboy this weekend, Hellboy 2. I bet it's going to be pretty good. The first one's great. I don't know why you wouldn't like it. And we'll talk to you guys soon, sometime in the future. And I love you all, and get a get a room. Okay, bye. It's a three-piece, it's a three-piece show with Chase. This has been The Three Peach Show with Chase Meisenheimer.